Our reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 to 58, and in the Bible it's page 1157. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each oh sorry, but God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a gift-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after, the spirit, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And is the, and is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the full work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Jesus has been raised from the dead to live forever. And so will all those who belong to Jesus. Praise the Lord. But how fresh, how real, how close to us are these truths? We are so familiar with life in this earthly existence of ours. We are so familiar with living in these physical bodies. We are so familiar with cancer, with dementia, with chronic illness, with getting older, with aches and pains, with the exhaustion and weariness that just comes from everyday life. And so the resurrection of our bodies can seem so unreal 
can't it? And not only that, the resurrection of physical bodies can also seem so impossible. I wonder, have you ever visited an old village graveyard? There are many villages in Kent and Sussex with beautiful churches and very old graves. I've visited a few because I love to do countryside walks and you, you see them on, on the walk. And it's, it's so fascinating reading the tombstones. Some of them go back 300, 400 years even. And many of the older tombstones have, have Bible verses on them and they particularly speak of hope in the resurrection. And they express love and devotion from grieving relatives. Relatives who themselves have been dead for several hundred years now. Visiting a graveyard is sobering. It can give you an, an overpowering sense of death and a longing for Jesus. Death is powerful. Death strikes down every family, every person, every relationship and every love. And underneath the ground, in the graves, what physically is there, these hundreds of years old graves? Dust. Decay. Earth. Standing amongst the gravestones, the resurrection of personal, physical bodies can seem impossible. How can it happen? What would it look like? And it's to this very question that the Apostle Paul now turns. As some in the Corinthian church, they were continuing to cast doubt on the physical resurrection of physical bodies. Have a look with me at verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How is it that a disintegrated body can be raised? It's striking that Paul responds very strongly. Verse 36, he says, how foolish. In the ESV, it actually says, you foolish person. Paul clearly thinks that the Corinthians, sh they should know better. And why should they know better? Well, because we'll see from this passage that God will raise glorious resurrection bodies when our victorious Jesus destroys death. God will raise glorious resurrection bodies when our victorious Jesus destroys death. Look with me at verse 36. How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Paul says, look at nature. Look at everyday farming. Look at the ordinary garden. Look at the crest seeds that preschoolers grow on damp cotton wool. In fact, I was very pleased to discover that the ark have been doing growing crest seeds. So I actually have a visual illustration. Just look at the crest seed and how it grows. Look at it, Paul says. Well done to those ark growers. Um, what should we see when we look at these plants? Well, we see that the physical seed that is sown 
must die. It must be broken apart, no longer to be seen as it was, hidden in the ground. But then, at the right time, a new body emerges, the shoot, the leaves, the flower, and the plant, well, it's full of life and beauty and sustenance. See, there, there is continuity, continuity. The wheat came from the seed, but there is also radical difference. The wheat looks completely different to the seed. And who has initiated this change? Who is in control over the new life that is created? Well, it's God. Have a look at verse 38. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. God can do this with small, tiny seeds, and so God can certainly do it with our human bodies too. So this March, when we look at the flowers growing in our gardens or as we go around parks, let's tell ourselves we're going to have resurrection bodies. And similarly, I was thinking to the summer when we see butterflies. Um, you know how they come from, you know, you know the science, caterpillars to butterflies. Well, I think when we look at them, let's tell ourselves resurrection bodies. But you know, there's even more we can learn from God's creation about resurrection. We learn from creation that God can easily create different bodies and that these different bodies perfectly suit the place they live. Look with me at verse 39. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. Humans have bodies, and our bodies are suited to being human. Animals have their own bodies fit for them. So do birds with their wings for flying, and so too fish with their bodies perfectly fit for life underwater. The heavenly bodies are angels, and their bodies are fit for them. The earthly bodies are our human bodies fit for this earthly reality. And the beauty and the glory of each body is different. We can see too that the sun, the moon and the stars, they all have their different places and different roles in God's expansive universe. You see, it's clear looking from creation, looking at creation, that not all bodies are the same. God can make different bodies for different purposes. And so this means that God can give us new, different resurrection bodies that are perfectly fitted for the new creation. Look with me at verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. How do you feel about your physical body? 
When you look back over your life, I see a few smiles. When you look back over your life, how have you viewed and felt about your body? I think for most of us, we have faced and continue to face body struggles. Struggles with our size, with our shape, with body changes, with often feeling not good enough physically. Many of us have struggles with ongoing illness, physical and mental, which seem to be our constant companion through our life. Some of us may experience gender dysphoria, the incredibly painful feeling of being in the wrong body. And for all of us, we face the reality of physical bodies that age and decay. Perhaps you've cared for aging parents who used to be so strong and always there for us. Perhaps you're experiencing the challenges of aging quite personally right now. The things you used to do without thinking are now more difficult. Simply walking down the street, driving the car or listening to someone speak has become so much harder, impossible even. Or perhaps you're much younger but feel daunted by the next big birthday, the turning of the next decade. I personally have been struck a few times by an older Christian sister wryly joking to me saying, don't get old Jenny. Well, in light of all those things, we have some really glorious, uplifting words here. Verse 42, our physical bodies are perishable. They physically decay and waste away. But our bodies will be raised imperishable. That means our resurrection bodies will, will never get old and worn out. They will never stop working. Verse 43, our physical bodies are sown in dishonour. In other words, our physical bodies, well, they in the grave, in the ground, they, they haven't got rights or honour. But our resurrection bodies will be raised in glory. Still in verse 43, our physical bodies are sown in weakness. We are so susceptible to illness. The smallest of viruses can turn society upside down. But our bodies will be raised into powerful resurrection bodies. Resurrection bodies that will not get ill. Resurrection bodies that will not get exhausted or weary. Resurrection bodies that will not need to self-isolate nor receive vaccinations. And in verse 44, we see that our physical bodies now are natural. What does that mean? Well, that means that our bodies are to do with this present life and reality, this world that is subject to death and decay. But we will be raised with a spiritual body. Spiritual here means a physical body that is perfectly fitted for the new creation. Our resurrection bodies will be the perfect match for eternal life in the new creation. Just as a fish is perfectly fit for water, so our resurrection bodies will be perfectly fitted to the new creation. It is so amazing to know that we will be utterly transformed. No more struggle, no more pain, no more sickness, no more anorexia, no more depression, no more gender dysphoria, no more dementia, no more cancer, no more hospitals or doctors or nursing homes, no more. 
Instead, we will have eternal, glorious, powerful, perfect resurrection bodies. God will do it. In fact, he has already done it in the person of Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 44, halfway through. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man became a living being, the last Adam a life-given spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Everyone has a natural physical body that belongs to this physical world. And this is because we all come from Adam. See, Paul quotes here from Genesis, Genesis 2 verse 7, which says this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. God made Adam from the dust of the earth. It was God who gave Adam the breath of life. And so we all are part of this same physical humanity. Our bodies, like Adam's, are dust put together. Only alive because God has given us life. And so when Adam and Eve, when humanity rebelled against God, it is really fitting that God's judgment on sin would be that we would return to dust. So Genesis 3:19 says this to, to um, God speaking to Adam. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is our common humanity and our common destiny. We are dust. All we need to be reminded of this is when we get around to dust in our houses. You live in people in one house who creates a lot of dust. And yet, there is a new humanity that has already begun. A humanity that is spiritual. And spiritual here, it means a physical humanity that is perfectly suited to the new creation from heaven where Jesus came and perfectly fitted for this new creation that's to come. This humanity is only through Jesus. So verse 47, the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven, from heaven, belonging from heaven. This is amazing news. A new physical creation reality has already begun through the resurrected Jesus. So have a think for a moment of the Gospels and of Jesus' resurrection appearances. So in the Gospels, the resurrected Jesus was physical. He was not a spirit floating around. He had a body that could be touched. Jesus was recognisable by the disciples. He was still Jesus. Jesus ate food. He enjoyed a beach breakfast of cooked fish. And yet... Jesus was clearly changed too. He could appear in rooms where all doors had been locked. There were times where people didn't realise it was Jesus until Jesus opened their eyes to see him as he is. 
And amazingly, Jesus is a new creation, resurrection pattern for all who come after him. So verse 49, just as we are born the image of the earthly man, so just as we've experienced this, this dust experience descended from Adam, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, that new creation body. Think of the show home before the new housing estate is built. Shows you what it's going to be like. Or the picture on the jigsaw box that shows you what the jigsaw is going to look like. Similarly, look at the resurrected Jesus in the Gospels and we can see, um, not all our answers are answered, but we can see what our resurrected bodies will be like. It is truly amazing to know that as certain as our experience of being dust currently is, so is the certainty in Jesus of our future resurrection bodies. So actually, when we experience weakness, illness and aging, let's tell ourselves that just as certainly we are going to have physical resurrection bodies. When we feel the pain and sorrow of being dust, let's tell ourselves that we are part of the new humanity that would be perfectly fit for the new creation. For God will raise glorious resurrection bodies when our victorious Jesus destroys death. Look with me as we go on to verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Our present physical bodies, as they currently are, cannot be in the new creation. Just like a fish cannot live on land, just like a camel cannot live at the North Pole. For we have seen that our bodies are of this earth, this flesh and blood world. They decay and they are mortal. So we, we must be changed. We must be raised. And it will happen when Jesus returns. So verse 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... How long does it take for you to flutter an eyelid? Perhaps flutter your eyelids now. How long did that take? It took a flash. It took a twinkling moment. And that is how quick we will be changed into our resurrection bodies. The trumpet is the sound of victory. It's the sound of the king and his forever kingdom. This is our future. It will come. And when we have our immortal resurrection bodies, death will finally and completely be destroyed. Verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have our resurrection bodies, we will taunt death. We will sing in victory over death. Like a playground taunt or the winning football chant, God's people will scoff at death. Verse 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? These words are quoted from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 25 and Hosea 13. They speak of God's great deliverance of his people from the power of the grave. And Isaiah particularly speaks of a massive celebration. There will be the biggest party ever. Imagine a banquet with the richest of foods, the best of meats, the finest of wines, and I hope some chocolate fountains. See, that's the party that we have to look forward to. The party we'll enjoy in our resurrection bodies. The party where the music will be our voices singing, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? And we can already sing this song today, now, because Jesus has already defeated death at the cross. Look with me at verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of some animals that have deadly stings? A scorpion, perhaps, or a swarm of bees. I did, in fact, Google animals with deadly stings. Um, the box jellyfish found in the Indo-Pacific has a sting that can kill you within five minutes by causing your heart to stop. And then the sting of the red fire ant found in Asia, Australia and America has been likened to electrocution. Uh, interesting facts. Well, what is death sting? What makes death so serious? Sin is death sting. Unforgiven sin, which deserves the judgment of a holy God. That's what makes death so serious. And the power of sin is in the law. What does that mean? Well, it means that God's law shows us we're sinners. It shows us that we've broken God's law and that we are guilty. If only our law-breaking sin could be taken away from us, if only the sting could be removed, like a wasp's sting removed from our arm, well, amazingly, the sting has been removed by Jesus. Jesus removed death's sting through his own death on the cross. Jesus has dealt with our sin at the cross. Jesus has taken our law-breaking guilt and God's holy judgment and wrath. And so for us, as Christians, our sins are already forgiven. We need not fear death. It is to us as it says in verse 20, it is as a falling asleep. Because Jesus shares his victory with us. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like the victorious king sharing his spoils with his people, Jesus shares his victory over death with us. Praise the Lord. What a certain resurrection hope we have. 
What a security and, and what a comfort. Think back to those Kent and Sussex village graveyards I mentioned earlier. The resurrection hope written on those crumbling village gravestones is not in vain. The victory over death is won. One day, the Christians buried in those Kent and Sussex graves will rise to eternal life. One day, the Christians that we dearly miss will be raised from their graves. One day, we will rise from our graves too, and we will sing with all God's people, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? God will raise glorious resurrection bodies when our victorious Jesus destroys death. So, what does that mean for our lives today? What does it mean to live in light of the resurrection of the dead? Well, it means that we are to keep working for Jesus. We are therefore to keep working for Jesus. Look with me at our last verse, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Therefore, that is, because of all that has gone before in the whole chapter, because of Jesus' death for our sins, because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, because of the promise of our resurrection from the dead, because of this gospel that Paul has preached to them, the Christians are to stand firm. They are to do what we saw yesterday evening in verse 2. They are to hold firmly to the gospel word that Paul has preached to them. They are to keep believing the gospel and let nothing move them. Have you walked across London Bridge in recent years? There are incredibly big, strong, immovable bollards. They've been put there following the terrorist attacks on the bridge. These bollards, they stand firm on the pavement. Nothing will move them. And we too, with God's help, are to stand firm, to keep believing the gospel we have believed, and in, in holding firmly to the gospel, we will keep going in the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? Well, it's what Paul had been doing in verse 30 and 31. He had been sharing the gospel with others, no matter the cost now. You see, the work of the Lord is being committed to sharing the gospel, being committed to God's people, even when it means missing out on things in this life. It means being prepared to sacrifice for Jesus now. Like the sacrifices we thought about in our first session today. Sacrifices of time. Sundays spent at church instead of spent with friends and family or in sport or in leisure or in bed. Sacrifices of money given to the church and to gospel work, which may mean we have to cut costs in other ways. Sacrifices of relationship, difficulties with colleagues, friends and family because we follow Jesus and want to share the gospel. Sacrifices of comfort and security. And we know that using our lives now to share the gospel is worth it because Jesus has been raised. Verse 58, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in 
vain. Have you noticed how the idea of vanity has run through this chapter? So verse 2, otherwise you have believed in vain. Verse 14, our preaching is useless. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's just this same idea of vanity. It may seem to our, our non-Christian family, friends and colleagues that we are missing out on the good life. It might seem to wider society that Christians are naive and gullible, deluded and, well, dangerous, and that we need to get on the, the right side of history. But living for Jesus and speaking for Jesus, it's not in vain. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the true certain event that is the centre of history. This and this alone is the gospel that will save people from the judgment to come. And so, in God's strength, let's keep going. Let's keep giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The gospel of the death and resurrection of Jesus is worth living for, both now and into eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you promise when Jesus returns to, in an instant, in a moment, raise us from the dead and give us glorious physical resurrection bodies. We just thank you so much. It's so hard for us to get our head around, but we know you can do it. You are so powerful and you've already done it in Jesus. And so, Lord, we just long for that day when defeated death will be utterly destroyed. Um, Father, in the meantime, Lord, may, may this certain hope be a spur for us to keep sharing the gospel. And by your strength, may we stand firm together, um, keeping on trusting in Jesus as our risen Saviour and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.